most painful Hello and welcome to episode 100, I was going to say 107 there, which sounded weirdly American and wanky, of what most people think. I hope I hope that you are not one of these drivers that got held up by the new climate activist group, Insulate Britain, which I do think, as a name, I mean, that could easily be a name adopted by racists as well. You know, it's it's Insulate Britain could be, it's probably the worst ever name for a group of activists but if you were uh, if you were held up in traffic how you kept your temper I will never know and you can already hear uh, chuckling away in the background there what making I think his fourth appearance on the show Leo yeah something uh, like that yeah yeah is Leo curse back to be uh, a co-host how are you mate yeah I'm good thanks back from the Edinburgh Fringe uh, which was great Edinburgh Fringe was really lucrative this year but everybody got coronavirus so yeah. loads of money on one hand, but on the other hand, my internal organs are being attacked by a bat virus. And so you you've had the vid, have you? I had, yeah, yeah, I had it, I had it in Edinburgh. I didn't think I had it because uh, I was doing the lateral flow tests every day, and yeah. they were coming back negative. Um, but then I did a PCR, and that came back positive. So then I had to like cancel some shows and stuff. But up <laughs> up until that point, I was probably infecting like the entire front row. Dear Leo Kovic, a super spreader. There's your title for next year's show. Super spreader. But then you could surprise the Edinburgh crowd by that being a, just a very sexual show. <laughs> yeah. Move on to some other diseases. <laughs> Have you, you know, one thing I think in comedy is obviously it goes through ways of, you know, we've had the thing of the beta male for quite a long time now where most yeah. blokes, they talk about sex. It's only to say how rubbish they are. Do you think that there'll yeah. be another wave at some point where you just get a young male comedian who's an absolute swordsman and wants to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, in the, in the UK, uh, we seem to dislike, or the industry seems to dislike uh, high status sort of alpha comedians. Uh, whereas in, in the US, they do really well. Look at Chris Rock, Bill Burr, uh, Chappelle. They're all, all, the, all the successful comedians. You don't get any comedians in the, in the US who are all like, oh, I'm not very good at talking to people. You know what I mean? <laughs> whereas over here, all the comedians seem to be like, you know, a bit, it annoys me when you get like really good, really good looking 28-year-old MTV presenter types who are all yeah. like, oh, I'm not very good at talking to women. It's like you're literally a model. You know what well, I mean? I love really that. Talking to women. What I love there, Leo, is how you've showed your age and your reference point was MTV presenter. I mean, yeah. that is, I mean that's for 15 <laughs> years. You, you know, I, I, was trying to, um, I was trying to use a reference for a, a strong bloke the other day, and I said, well, what are you, Jeff Capes? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the amount of kind of exposition that it takes to explain who the fuck Jeff Capes was. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you talk about, you know, people saying that they're not good at talking to people anymore like as we've gone you know we've we society is pretty normal now at the moment at for now right depending on what the government do next but yeah. I, I somebody asked me to do it we, we're doing this over zoom and uh, jeff innocent the brilliant jeff innocent asked me to do a face-to-face podcast with him and if you've ever heard of jeff innocent he's not the kind of bloke you say no to anyway um <laughs> he's like, yeah, what you doing? i want you to come down to the studio jeff you know what i mean i thought he might be i thought he might be taking me in a car park to uh you know have a little word but um I sat in the room with him, mate, and I felt like a millennial. I had the old panics on, you know, because I was actually face-to-face alone in a room with another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to take my fucking support animal in there with me. 
<laughs> have you found anything like of since stuff opened up have you found anything was a bit made you a bit more prangy than you would have expected um just the the first party i went to this is this is in australia and they like um I, I don't know if we were allowed to to go to a party it was only like you know a dozen people um mm. but just being surrounded by noise and people talking uh, they're all women as well because I was, I was over in this, i was living with this uh, lassie stacy um mm. i wish I'd, i wish it stayed it was it was brilliant yeah. But um, yeah, the the first because you know we were we were getting out, we we're running on the beach and going climbing in the mountains and stuff. Because Western Australia didn't really have, and they had a lockdown, but didn't have any coronavirus, and you know you're still allowed to leave the house and, and go and do stuff. And it's such an outdoorsy place anyway. Uh, but then the first like actual party, yeah, it was a real it was sort of sensory overload. It was like I'd, I'd completely forgotten what you know loud voices laughing and stuff was was like. It was like being pulled out of a you know, you've been in some sort of tiger pit in uh, in, the, in Vietnam, and again, that's a reference. That's a reference yeah. from like fifty years ago. You know what I mean? Still I'm, the I'm, I'm terrified of it. I'm old now, and like um, somebody pointed out the other day that it's it's the same amount of time since 1980 as nineteen eighty was from nineteen thirty nine. Yeah, I. You know, I, I think that those kind of equations are both interesting and relevant, but also can be annoying in the same way that, you know, when right now someone will go, do you know there's only like 12 Fridays left till Christmas? And you go, all right, that's a bit, little bit reductive because 12 Fridays is still like roughly a third of the year, right? Yeah, so you're yeah, making yeah, it sound yeah. like that that's no fucking time at all. That's as far back as it was to what, May? Does May feel really <laughs> recent, does it? You know, they just, what they're sort of saying is, yeah. is, is that little fact, they're like, could, could, could I make you feel slightly uncomfortable about something that doesn't need to be. Yeah, I would say the yeah. Christmas thing, that it is, it is women that tend to bring this up, I'm afraid to say. Maybe it's because the pressure's on them to, 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 to do stuff. You oh, know? They've, got to, they've got to get the sprouts on now. <laughs> they don't have to, Leo, we should, we should say. But <laughs> we should say that, you know, still in terms of societal norms, it would seem that the getting of the sprouts on would still be largely handled. <laughs> This is the best thing about comedy now is when we add in the little terms and conditions. That's what really makes it funny is, is breaking it <laughs> person by person. Um, while, while I've got you, obviously, we don't, we don't, we often get, uh, I, I mean, I, I did one show at the Edinburgh Fringe. I, I know, as I've said, I still felt like that was, you know, half a show too much, actually. I started to get yeah. halfway through the show. I thought, fuck this fringe, man. I hate, I hate Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but people were annoyed that came to the show that I didn't have a pop at the SMP. But what, what can you give us a quick update on, on there? Like, any, any nonsense happening? I saw that, I saw that Sturgeon yesterday was asked a question. Uh, at Holyrood about one thing and then gave a completely different answer. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I didn't see that. So the guy sort of says about the plan, you know, broadly for society going into the winter and then she she goes off on a lot of stuff about schools, which is either that she's tired, wasn't listening, or that's the level of dictatorship she's hit now where she's like, I'll tell you what, I'll answer my question. Well, yeah, I mean, she's she's been embroiled. And one of the, one of the things we're going to be talking about in the podcast, which is comedians getting cancelled, yeah. So the SNP, uh, I mean, maybe I should save it for, for later on, but um, you know, the SNP are very close, and Sturgeon in particular, are very close to Janie Godley, um, yeah. which made Janie a bit of a political football, unfortunately. But um, but it's it's just interesting seeing the just how partisan um, Sturgeon and the SNP are when they're dealing with uh, with miscreants on on each side. So they're very supportive of Janie, but I'm yeah. sure you know if I came out and said the same things, I'd be I'd be locked up pretty sharpish. 
Well, this, I mean, I think we could talk about this now, actually. So this is the comic, a uh, very good comic called Janie Godley, who um, she's a very left-wing and a Scottish nationalist, you know, very open about all this stuff. And But we've worked yeah. with her over the years, and she's an absolutely bulletproof club comic. And she's, you know, she she battles a lot online with people from the right. She does take a hell of a lot of abuse. Um, but then it came to light that there were there was a couple of waves, wasn't there? So there was a first wave of tweets in which she'd use some uh, language, like words like Hmong and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, she got in that first wave, she got quite a lot of support from the comic uh, community. And then a second wave of tweets emerged, which were referring to race. And there were a number of tweets which related to uh, black celebrities. And it was interesting to see. Yeah, how- and, also, and also a clip of her uh, on a podcast, you know, dropping the M-bomb, the P-bomb, uh, you know, uh, calling people jippos and tinkers and stuff. Uh, so that that was released as well. But I mean, they, they clipped it out of context. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not not that I'm sure that there's a context where those words are okay. But um, but you know, they, they did exactly to Janie what you know people have been doing to to right wing comedians or or non woke comedians like Andrew Lawrence. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it did seem like people had gone out of their way. You know, and and the problem is, I mean, this is this is the issue. Is maybe you know with some of the tweets there there was a context or, or, or a slight way. I mean, basically, if, if you're interested in the story, you'll probably have to pause this and just go and kind of like get gemmed up now. But but there might have been like a, a persona that that was being adopted there or, or a way of speaking yeah. that was supposed to be funny. I think that was the idea. But this is one of the reasons why I don't tweet as much these days because getting that over on Twitter is is next to impossible. And and I do. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like when comedians when people get offended by comedians they take what the comedian said and they just they just interpret it at complete face value yeah. take it completely literally there's no room for any context or nuance or the concept that the comedian might have been joking because sometimes comedians are joking and i think that's yeah, something people need you. to remember how dare you every single word is is, is gospel <laughs> mate we are I mean, like, I mean, I suppose I often think about this about comedians getting in trouble for what they say. We act like it's a a new thing, but then if you think back to the Saxgate affair, you think about Frankie Boyle. You know, it was, it was going on ten years ago, and then you think well, every once in a while the jester would get decapitated by the king, wouldn't he? Because he overdid it. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of. Yeah, been I, like- research, I researched it for. I wrote uh, part of a book on freedom of speech for the Institute of Economic Affairs. So I was researching uh, jesters. Yeah. And uh, they'd, they'd be the only people in court who could, like, you know, mock all these uh, nobility. But, yeah, then sometimes people would get too pissed mm. off and feel that the jester went too far. And literally, the jester would get killed. But other times, jesters would uh, would get, like, amassed huge wealth, like lands. One of them mm. got the the um, the thing, the, the sort of contract to sell tobacco in Ireland. So, you know, then they uh, No, I mean, it's a bit like... It's a bit like comedies it is you know like there's the michael mcintyres and then there's the people that went a step too far and then uh yeah. disappeared i i you know the, the interesting thing for me is when, when comics do stuff about race and stuff like that I, i've just never done it you know and, that, and despite you you would have had this too as a right-wing comic is that we often said oh what are they going to do just come on and be racist and stuff so i often find that like like i think well i would just never go near that subject not necessarily um, because, but just not a subject that I generally talk about, you know. Yeah. And, and yet, if you look at the examples of comics that have got in trouble and overstepped the mark, certainly, you know, you know, Tina Fey, uh, like we, who's when you look at who's done blackface, Justin Trudeau, you know, it's weirdly often yeah. comes from people on the and, left. And this week, it's Rufus Hound. He's been accused of racism because uh, because he was doing yellow face uh, in his uh, Aladdin poster. 
I don't know if you saw this. So Rufus Hound, it was, it was beautiful. Rufus Hound tweeted saying, uh, oh, I'm, I'm crying today because there's, uh, you know, we're sliding into fascism and all this stuff. Turns yeah. out he's actually crying. It's got nothing to do with Trump or, or GB News. He's crying because he's been called out for racism. So uh, people said that the way he did his eye makeup made his eyes look, uh, you know, like when, when kids are in the playground and they pull yes, their eyes yeah, pull their and do a, do a racist Chinese accent. So they, they said his eye makeup made his eyes look like that. Did a bit. And uh, and also he's, he's wearing a turban. He's wearing a turban. You know what yeah. I mean? I know it's pantomime and you can't exactly turn up in a bowler hat when you're playing, playing Abenazar. But still, <laughs> like a turban. You know what I mean? It's like Because we know that there are people out there gunning for us. So we would think about stuff like that. Yeah. I, I would think, right, because I've always been, like, if I'm going to get in trouble, let it be for something that I genuinely disagree with people over rather than I haven't done the research. So I would yeah, yeah, be yeah. very kind of, like, careful. And, you know, that is maybe a problem sometimes on the left is that there is this sense of moral certainty that can sometimes inflate so high that you stop investigating your own self, you know. And, yeah, and that, there's no self, self-reflection self on the left because they're so certain that they're pure. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Rufus would have been one of the people he's gone after, people he's gone after, Lawrence Fox. Yeah. Uh, Janie as well has, has tried to, tried to you know, gone after people and, and uh, you know, had a pop at them and, you know, been on, in the mob on the other side, cancelling people. Because to, to give the Janie Godley uh, story context, so um, the SNP, basically Scotland split down, you know, sectarian yeah. uh, political and religious lines. So on one side, you've got Rangers fans, uh, they tend to be unionists, like pro-staying in the UK, and they tend to be Protestant. And on the other side, you've got uh, the SNP, uh, you've got um, Catholics, Celtic fans, and all the woke people, all the lefties. So, um, you know, they, the SNP have been bringing through all these these hate crime laws and, and things and, and really applying them. Like they, So they, they went after uh, Rangers fans and podcasters, um, and and got like seven of them arrested and charged uh, for various you know sectarian sectarian comments you know hate speech and stuff like that. Um, but then the Rangers fans, the people on on that side of the divide, were like, well, we're going to do it to the left. Well, so they've gone yeah. after. So they've they've gone after uh, and and quite successfully. So the Daily Record led this campaign against Rangers sectarianism. Um, and so Rangers fans dug up all these old tweets uh, by uh, Daily Record journalists, just the most horrific racism, sectarianism. I don't know why. It was everybody just a mad racist in 2012. It just it seems like it. Sometimes. Do you know what's really interesting, Leo, is that you mentioned 2012, and that does seem to be like a kind of point with Twitter where we didn't realise that it would be <laughs> this sort of social media atom bomb that would kill us all. And so a yeah. lot of the tweets that were really bad come from that time. There was that Middlesbrough player, Mark Bolo. I mean, he was fucking 14. It was ridiculous. But yeah. Wally Robinson, that those tweets surfaced in that time. And I think that at that time, we thought that Twitter was sort of like a friendly online WhatsApp group, didn't we? That we could just yeah. express ourselves ironically. I mean, fucking, we learned the hard way since. But, yeah. you know, but I mean, that is what's interesting is it is a case of, it is genuinely a case of you started it with a lot of this stuff and the right have suddenly gone applying the same rules back. But like we say, perhaps sometimes being on, on the left side of things, mate, it's a bit it's a bit of a blind spot. I mean, personally, when it comes to Jane, I thought that I can see why the Scottish government took away the advertising campaign. It's an important message and, and, and you can't. I mean, one, what was a comic who has a, a sort of like testy relationship online, the best person in the first place? That's another question. But I can see what they did that. But then you get into the realms of losing 
panto and then you know other stuff and it's oh, yeah i mean it's, it's going too far yeah absolutely i mean the understand like a government ad campaign you've got yeah. to have a certain level of squeaky cleanness and also i think you know like you say it'd be better if it's a less partisan person fronting it yeah. uh you know somebody who could reach out to both sides of the divide in scotland but uh but then to go after man like a tory mp uh, wrote to the to the pantomime to, to request that Janie's cancelled and that's you're a Tory. Why are you Tories are supposed to be for free speech? Well, they're supposed to be for a lot of things that they well, don't seem one, to be for. Well, it's one of the the, the 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 cool things that's become seen as their domain. So that's the, to me, I agree with you. I think it's particularly disappointing. I think it was interesting to see that the comics that came out in defence of Janie initially, you know, so much well, once it was clear that she had used words like mong and 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 sort of said that people. Uh, look like Chernobyl uh, victims, which you know, we, we laugh at as comments because brutality does make us laugh, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and I can imagine Jeannie, I can imagine Jeannie saying that in, in a club and it totally killed it would, like, yeah, everybody yeah. just and Everybody would laugh, everybody would laugh. But then when race came into it, it was really interesting how everyone then backed away. I think that then what it showed was, I suppose, if you're willing to support, is that you think that you're making an arbitrary kind of uh, line of taste where Mong is okay and even referencing someone's race it, it is wrong. Yeah. And I, I found that a little bit two-faced. I'm uh, just going to do a quick hello to the new patrons here. As ever, we'll read out their names and reward them by speculating as to what they sound like. Oliver Mills here. That, to me, Leo, sounds like a bloke who maybe makes upmarket pots and pans. That's, that's somebody who went to, went to private school but needed a bursary. <laughs> Oliver Mills, but like he just he looked at what's that word? Uh, La Crusade pots and pans. He's <laughs> he's gone Oliver Mills pots and pans. Where do you, you know if you charge enough for something, there'll there'll be somebody who goes two hundred quid for a frying pan. I think I need one of those. Yeah, yeah, the perfect wedding gift. Uh, Mark Nicholson, who does sound like a reporter for the Daily Record, he's probably one that yeah. So he had some drunken racist sexist rant in 2014 <laughs> with, with Moira Stewart. Um, we've got Sean Danaher. Sean Danaher. I mean, that is nice. that is he's an extra, he's an extra in Game of Thrones. He's got long hair and a beard. <laughs> yeah, one of those ones that suddenly women one of, you know, one of those blokes that women find sexy that men don't really understand. Like we're just <laughs> yeah. well, look at that fucking hippie over there. Yeah, he looks like he smells. Yeah, yeah. And they'll no, go, no, no, no. no. Why do women like men who smell? The, the do you remember that guy that there was, and you can Google this, listeners, is that listeners, what the fuck am I? Am I Steve Wright in the <laughs> afternoon? Um, the, the, um, do you remember the guy who was the criminal um, and there was a mugshot of him and he was, he was a stunningly beautiful man, but women like went fucking crazy. It was this viral craze. They just, and, and it almost kind of. Yeah, un- they, they love bad boys. They well, absolutely yeah, I mean, love if the, if that guy had, had the same looks but had studied to become a heart surgeon or something, they wouldn't be you know they'd want to marry him but they wouldn't want to fuck it, uh, they wouldn't want to have sex with him. But well, like, yeah. but you know because he's a bad boy, I think I think part of the appeal is they know that you know they can get rid of him at any point just by phoning nine nine nine. We got Chevy Kapoor here, Chevy Kapoor, who sounds like. Like the biggest star in Bollywood right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, has fifty percent share in an IPL team. <laughs> I say it sounds like a new, uh, an American car. It's true. It's been, yeah, it's been brought out to to appeal to the uh, to the Indian market. But then, but then maybe they get in trouble because the word Kapoor had been appropriated from Native Americans. And they yeah. would have to do this big fucking mea culpa there, and then they would throw all the customers that had bought the car under the under the bus, 
by admitting <laughs> saying they was racist, and then people have just spent like fifty grand on a car. You know, like yeah. when, you know, like when um, uh, Ralph Lauren was it or Fred Perry? Those those t-shirts that were being worn by the Proud Boys, um, the black and yellow ones. Um, I right. had one of them. I had one of them. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I paid. I mean, they're the most expensive t-shirts going for a start, like yeah. five quid a pop. And uh, they were like, oh yeah, we realise it's associated with the far right. I was like, I want to. I, I added them with a tweet and went. Any chance of a refund or a different colour T-shirt? <laughs> Paranoid pricks. And finally, we got Christopher Piers, who sort of sounds like a restaurant critic for The Observer. You know, I mean? <laughs> you know one of those guys that was, was a beneficiary of straight white male privilege just at the last point, and now he's in there, like he's desperate not to lose his job. So in every article he does, he probably mentions privilege and just, just hoping that if he's woke enough, he could just keep his job and everyone, everyone else lose, lose their heads. <laughs> Well, yeah, who was it that said that? Was it Jeremy Vine? Jeremy Vine uh, came out and said, or no, it was, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Peston. Um, Robert Peston came out and said, uh, you know, as a straight white man, I probably wouldn't have this job if I hadn't started, you know, decades ago. And yeah. he said he was the only uh, straight white man in his entire team. And then, all right, you fuck off as well then. Like, are you <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. All these, all these comedians who, who come out and criticise, the people who came out criticising uh, Andrew Lawrence and criticising... Um, you know, the comedy for being uh, for being too too male. Uh, so Richard Herring and uh, Robin Ince came out um, and were, were and it's like you started when you genuinely benefited from systemic racism. There was misogyny. yeah, there was, when Nick Dixon did his tweet, there were a number of very well known comics that kind of sarcastic. So Nick Dixon did a tweet that implied that uh, the, the 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 opportunities for straight white male comics were narrowing, which is. Yeah. I mean, much as they want to, ju- you know, jump on it, it was a fact. It's a fact, you know, in the club game, yeah. you still see a predominance of that, but it is harder to get TV opportunities now. B- bless us, right? Poor fucking us with our thousands of years of privilege that we weren't alive for. Um, and then, yeah, quite a few <laughs> famous male comics were the ones that were literally like, you know, like when the helicopter is going away from a disaster scene and that little rope ladder's coming up. You're like, you're going, <laughs> yeah, what a safe position uh, to say that from. Um, yeah. We... We, uh, we got the cuss count. So the cuss count from last week, which is a solo show, which is typically going to be higher, was 1.23 swears a minute, which is pretty high. Uh, we had, in terms of exotic swears, we had shithole. Uh, that's not massively exotic. <laughs> that's not exotic. No, no. That's not an exotic. That's the least exotic swear word. That was, yeah, I know that's, in a way, I'm sort of annoyed myself that I didn't extend. I mean, shithole is not exotic and, and shitholes aren't exotic in a way. So. <laughs> Um, Leo, you are, I mean, you've done a few episodes now. You're, you're currently averaging one swear an episode. And, and I don't know, because, you know, you're not a shrinking violet on stage. And I noticed you almost self-censored earlier. Is there... I did, yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if this is like a clean podcast, if you've got like eight-year-old patrons out there that, you know, they don't want to hear any swearing. Um, so let's see what, let's see how you develop on that. Just before, I mean, this is probably the latest we've got to the first section of the show, but it's just nice to catch up. Uh, uh, thank you and a fuck you. Have you got uh, one of those each first yes I do I do I've got a I've got a fuck you a fuck you to Boris Johnson I know it's probably a cliche and he's he's the fuck you every week but um you know I think I think partly he did a he did a great thing he's tackling the the problem with social care and and dementia funding uh, Mm. which needs to be tackled he could have kicked the can down the road but seeing as he's probably going to be in power for another 35 years there's not much point kicking the can down the road politically at this point um so he you know he's taken steps, he's raised tax to to deal with the issue, which is, I mean, it's good, he's recognised, it's good 
in a way that he's raising tax, but the tax is coming from the wrong place. All the all the tax burden, it's all national insurance, it's all falling mm. on the shoulders of the working man or woman or gender queer pansexual. Uh, and that's not fair because the people who need social care and the people who uh, you know get dementia tend to be tend to be old. So mm. he's not taxing, he's not taxing pensions, there's no sort of wealth tax or land tax. So if you if you're rich. If you if you're old, I mean, and you bought a house in like the sixties or seventies, and you know through no effort or work on your part, it's just like inflated in value to you know to to be worth a million and a half pounds now. I don't know. I think there's and it's nice. Obviously, it's nice to bequeath stuff to your kids, but it's also nice for me to have more money in my wallet so I can like buy stuff. This is, a, is this not an example of you as a, you know, nominally a conservative voter that you, that, you know, maybe Jeremy was right. We've moved the dial. You're essentially talking here about various, you know, kinds of wealth taxes, really, you know. Yeah. And that yeah, is- I mean, the wealth has ballooned over the last, you know, 50 years or so, um, whereas incomes have stayed more, more stagnant. Yeah. So I think we, we need to rebalance. Uh, society rebalance the economy in favour of uh, in favour of the working man. Because I mean, the, the thing with land, the thing with uh, wealth is um, and rentier capitalism. It, it's not productive. It doesn't really benefit society. Mm. Um, not that you know. I mean, obviously, I think landlords and people like that do a lot of good. They they invest in properties. They build new properties. So they're they're a, a, an essential tool in the in the market. Basically, but basically, my whole thing is, I just want to buy a house. Right. I, I want to buy an actual house. I don't want to. I don't want to live in it converted garage i want to live well, i'm, I'm glad we got to this because i was thinking I, I can't believe that leo curse has come on my show with this communist fucking shit he's coming out with about world <laughs> absolutely disgraceful but yeah yeah exactly i think that in a way it does play into a sort of capitalist dream is that you want to you have to create that opportunity for the next generation otherwise they we're going to have more you know we're going to have more activists and, and more of those kind of people yeah. uh what about a thank you just before we get to our first subject so a thank you uh, is to Shemaima Begum. She okay. has uh, she's apologised for being involved in ISIS and she's apologised for ISIS terror. Which uh, I mean, I think that's probably even now. That's even because yeah. I mean, you know can she, can she still do panto? I don't know. Well, she won't get in trouble for doing um, you know brown face or anything. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. No, she she's probably a safer bet in some ways. Maybe she should go on one of these dating shows as well. I think like. Perhaps she should have to come up against the worst excesses of the West. That should be her punishment. <laughs> Love Island. Yeah, but just some geezer going. Fundamentalists. Some Geordie geezer going, you know, well, me and, you know, Shemima, we, we, we're really good match on paper, <laughs> like, you know. But uh, she's a bit fucking intense, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, she's trying to soften her image. She's, she's done an interview uh, sitting in a sitting wherever she is. Uh, I don't know if she's still in a refugee camp or whatever. But she's got her hair down. She's wearing a baseball cap. Honestly, to be honest, she looks like she might be really good at tennis. I think we should get her back here and <laughs> stick a tennis racket in her hand, and you know, maybe maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll have more more. Uh, I mean, she more. she Shemima Baker. She's a brand. She is a brand now, and and it will be yeah. fascinating. It's fascinating to see where she takes it next. Okay, uh, let's get up into our first subject here. I'm going to shift the order there because you mentioned tennis. I think it's worth uh, having a quick chat about Emma Raducanu. Emma. Emma. Oh, you're so racist. 
You didn't get her name right immediately. That's a racist, is what a left-wing person would say. Well, 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 nor did Sadiq Khan, I think, is the, the interesting <laughs> thing, which is, which is partly why I set that little bear trap there. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> the, so we had uh, an 18... Now, you would think that an 18-year-old British person, right, which is what she is, yeah. Yeah, uh, going to the US Open as a qualifier and winning the tournament, you'd think there would just be an, an unequivocal outpouring of joy as, as to, you know, particularly about the age, I thought. That was the most incredible yeah. thing was, like, to do that at that age. I can't remember anything like that since Boris Becker winning Wimbledon. But in, in no time at all, we had online from people like Adil Ray and Sadiq, uh, was they quite quickly wanted to say essentially, which was, ah, well, you know, she's half Romanian, half Chinese, fuck you, haters, etc. Now, the first thing yeah. to say is I didn't really see any of these haters. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't, I didn't see any hate. I didn't see it. And it, it's like, you know, you'd think it would be an outpouring of joy and mo a moment of national unity. But then I thought the same thing about the England getting to the Euro finals. Even yeah. as a Scot, even as a Scot, I felt, I mean, I, I live in the UK, in, um, in London a lot. And, uh, you know, I felt this sort of uh, just the swelling of national pride and everybody coming together and it was fun and everybody was proud of, you know, the team and, you know, they're, they're a great team and, you know, nobody really gave it, like, it was, it's just the left that focuses on the fact that, oh, look, they're all, like, these ones are brown and that means that, you know, diversity is good and our, our mantra is good and then they missed the penalties and, like, you know, because the left had made it all about diversity, yeah. it was like, well, diversity misses penalties. You know what I mean, and that's you know. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Is just they bring they bring up nationality uh, uh, all, all the time. You know, they they focus in so squarely uh, on identity, and, and they have to almost confect a way of thinking that doesn't really exist in British society because polling. Yeah suggest again and again and again that in Britain, and particularly in the last couple of years, the attitudes towards immigration and general liberality exceeds most of our European neighbours. But they don't yeah. they don't believe that. They almost can't afford to believe that. They have to believe that... I mean, even, even the most strident Brexiteer never said, well, we should stop immigration completely. Like, literally, yeah. almost fucking no one, apart from some nutter outside Poundland, would even think <laughs> that, that, is, that that is possible, right? Yeah. And yet they have to concoct this bogeyman of the right when when and it's just not it's just not something people feel. I just don't know why they I'm gonna sound like a kind of Fox News type guy now, but wh yeah. why, why do they hate Britain, Leo? Why do they hate Britain so much? Why do they hate the troops? <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And also, you know, the left like sport has always been at the forefront of genuine racial and social integration. So yeah. back in the 70s, Millwall, who are always traditionally held up as, you know, the, the most racist football team with the most racist fans. Uh, they've even got a chant like, uh, nobody likes us, we don't care. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they're, they're, they're held up as racist. In the 70s, Millwall had more black football players than The Guardian had black journalists. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but the, the Guardian would still be, like, pointing the finger at Millwall, calling them racist. And sport has, you know, has been you know, really sort of pushing forward, you know, social and racial integration purely uh, because, you know, if, if we didn't have racial integration in, uh, in British sport, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't do very well. Well, everyone knows this. That's the point. And it's the same with like cuisine. Like these arguments are long one. Everyone kind of gets it that yeah. these things have, have, have enriched British society. I think that, you know, the argument of Brexit wasn't even to stop immigration, it was just that we should have control over how much, right? So that yeah. in some years it might be quite a lot, some years it might be less. That was that was it for most people. And then that and, all, and also Brexit was kind of Brexit was 
like reducing the amount of immigration from white countries in Europe yeah. and in, it open it up it opening up immigration to, to the rest of the world, which tends to be you know more ethnic. And there was another um, area where people were trying to at her to get something going, which was where there were photos of uh, of her on the front page of the papers, and, they, and most of them were her in the dress, right? And they were sort of yeah. saying, well, if Andy Murray wins something, are you showing him in the suit or are you showing him in the tennis outfit? And I was sort of thinking, look, that she looked fantastic is the first thing. Um, and Andy Murray in a suit does not look fantastic. <laughs> I mean, Andy yeah. Murray, Andy Murray, let me tell you, if, if Andy Murray looked like fucking George Clooney in a suit, they'd be showing him in the suit, all right? <laughs> they, they, they would because the visual, strong and attractive visual images sell papers. Andy Murray doesn't look good in anything, but the least shit thing that he looks is when he's wearing a tennis outfit. So that's why <laughs> they do it. It is, it is, it was just suddenly because she is catnip, right? Mm. Uh, she's catnip to the left because she's young, which is something they love, um, and she's uh, she's mixed of uh, mixed heritage. So it's almost like they're immediately getting their claws in and trying to get her to speak out uh, on on these issues. But I just I really wanted to just be a great tennis player for now. She's eighteen. You know, you know, you mentioned about that song by Millwall, uh, No One Likes Us, We Don't Care. It, there is something about that song that I've always thought there's a, there's a sort of fragility in there, in that the moment they say, we don't care, they sort of lose their status a little bit. You know, we do care a bit. <laughs> yeah. you, you, Otherwise, you, we wouldn't be singing about it. Yeah, I mean, like, it'd just be No One Likes If you just kept repeating, No One Likes Us, but it's like, we don't care. It's almost like the equivalent <laughs> of, am, am I bothered? No. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah. It is weird. Well, I met with Millwall, I went to a game um, in 1990, and um, and we went with the Junior Don. So this is Wimbledon Football Club, the Junior Don. So this is kids up to about the age of 12 or something, or 13. And um, w- for some reason, they sat us in the Millwall bit, and uh, Wimbledon won that day with a John Fashion penalty. And um, as as all the Millwall fans, so their their community outreach officer was a black guy. And he was sitting with us and he was a great guy. He'd really, you know, give us a good day out and stuff. And then at, at the end of the game, all the Mill fans were coming past us and they were all making like throat cutting gestures and, you know, like I'm going to shoot your old man and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and, then, um, and then after they'd all filed out and we kept, we were kept back to get back on the coach. He was like, well, they didn't say anything racist. <laughs> <laughs> but the poor guy, he like had his head in his hands, like, oh my God, like his job is Millwall Community Outreach. This is in, <laughs> this is in 1990. And, and it's an interesting point about 1990. Uh, who was it? I was I heard Tom Allen speaking on a podcast whereby now the 90s are portrayed as all peace and love and you know, like oasis of yeah. birth and stuff like this. And 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 in a lot of cases, it really fucking wasn't, was it? I mean, there was still <laughs> It was definitely more racist and homophobic than now. Yeah, yeah. But th- there's also, you know, a, a sense of freedom. You didn't feel like you're under this uh, this crushing. There's positive, and things seem to be getting better rather than yeah, more liberty. Worse. You're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when we say better, we we essentially mean more drug taking was was happening. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of drugs. Maybe it's just you know because we were teenagers, but there were a lot of drugs in the nineties, um, and and the music seemed to be much better than the music now I, I we, see i've had this discussion before is that i think that the the good music was very good but the bad music was like you still had quite a bit of steps and you know like <laughs> going, it's my life it's my life. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah and like there'd be like some techno song like too unlimited or whatever at number one for like just months on end 
And for some reason, everybody knew like all the songs in the top ten. Like now, I I, you, I couldn't tell you what's what's number one. Do they still even have like number ones? Well, what you get now is a merging of um, of, of quality, whereby you you hear everything and everything sounds well produced now. That's the big difference. Whereas then, yeah, that kind of the legacy of that Stock Aitken and Waterman sound was still around. That people almost like shitty sounding pop songs. Yeah, uh, and you but now. You, obviously, like Gina G, ooh, ah, uh, just a little bit, and and I'm just the listeners now will all be singing that for the rest of the day. So I just <laughs> I'm always against kind of orthodoxies where people just all buy into the same idea and like you know like those memes you get like share this if you played out in the 80s and everything was good and and you go look there was good things about the 80s there was also a lot more nonsense you know I yeah used, yeah we used to go up a tube station near us and there was a geezer that worked there who's definitely a paedophile. But we used to go up in groups of three and we would sort of like <laughs> flirt with him, I guess. Um, <laughs> and get free tra- <laughs> to get free travel cards. <laughs> we all thought we, all, we knew he was like everyone used to call him Dirty Mick. OK, uh, let's move on next up to discuss the uh, the latest group of environment protesters. Okay, I've just got to interrupt the chat just briefly between me and Leo. I think there was a bit something weird with my sound on this week's episode. So apologies for that to all the sound queens out there. And to the patrons who invest in this show, obviously I will be looking at whether or not it's the mic and whether I need to invest in a new Blue Yeti. Um, I have a Radio 4 show coming up called Never Kiss the Tory, which I'm recording in early October. And I started off by, basically it's about, have you ever been in trouble or fallen out with people professionally or personally because of political differences or whether or not your team Megan or team Harry Lever or Remainer any of this kind of stuff has it affected on your life and at first I thought that I could get people to come and talk about it and then as it's transpired as I've got responses it seems that people on the right are willing to talk about it but understandably to a certain extent people on the left are worried that it might cause them problems at work which is both a problem but kind of underlines why we're making the show so then I had a brainwave Anonymous, right? That's what people don't want to sit in a room and tell us these stories. That's the pressure of performance, plus the pressure of potentially getting cancelled from your job as diversity and inclusion officer at Warwick University. For example, other universities are also equally deluded. So I think it's a case of people writing in. So if you, for any reason, or any of these tribal fault lines in the culture war have had issues, whether it's with your loved ones, your family, has it destroyed pillow talk for you? Has it enhanced it? Maybe there's nothing like a grudge fuck. Uh, you've got to email in what most people think uk at gmail.com anonymity is absolutely assured and what we're going to do i think is we're going to respond and we're going to read them out obviously not with your name at all 100 percent uh but we're going to kind of agony uncle them and, and talk through the issues on stage uh with another comic so if you just wanted to get this off your chest you know what i mean say like you know, and it goes both ways. So say, for example, you're a Brexiteer at a university and uh, you got outed and, you know, you had to uh, you had to pretend that you'd changed your mind about Brexit. Or maybe maybe you're a bit of a Corbynista and you were working at a fucking hedge fund and you found that they spoke about people like you divisively all the time. I, th- I do think that this cuts both ways. So if you could email what most people think, uk at gmail.com and just put in the head in Radio 4 Show. Okay, so that's what most people think. UK at gmail.com and Radio 4 Show. And I think if you can, if we can get some contributions for this, this is going to make, I think this is actually a better way of doing it. I think it's probably too much to 
ask for people to sit in there. But I feel, in a way, the responses I've got have made me think more than ever that this is a really valid topic to be looking at. And and, and certainly the fact that people didn't feel comfortable speaking about it uh, sort of proves uh, is proof of concept. So what most people think, UK at gmail.com. Basically, please, please don't leave me out. I've got to record a fucking radio show. And I need your support. Speaking of support, uh, the Patreon thing. So this month, more than ever, we had people's subscriptions drop out and there's been a few people writing to me. And it does seem that if you do it through PayPal, that might be, I did, I did that upward inflection thing. If you do it through PayPal, I sounded like one of those kind of uh, kids that just turns up in Home and Away, you know. I'm loosely related to you, Elsa. I'm going to live here now. Um, if you If your, you know, subscription is cancelled, um, it does seem that PayPal might be a reason for that. So the subscriptions dropped off a bit this week. And do you, you, if you like the podcast, right? If you like the fact, the vibe of it, and you know, the vibe, what a wank! I mean, I'm probably going to lose more subscriptions now. But if you if you like the fact that it's it's ad free, I mean, recently I've had a couple of approaches for big podcast platforms, and they spoke about the ad revenues that I can make. I want to carry on doing it this way. Um, there's a level at which it needs to be for that to make sense for me. I can't, you know, I've got to be sensible about this. But, you know, what What I don't want to get into the position, right, is if I'm enthralled to these advertisers, this is what I really, really don't want to do. And then one week they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, just, um, you know, uh, Giacomo were a bit uncomfortable with your discussion with uh, with Leo this week or, or, or a reference to trans stuff. So that is absolutely my intention not to do that. So two things, really. One, if you were a, a subscriber and you realise it's dropped out and you still want to support the podcast, please do that. And if you are someone who hasn't done it yet and likes what we're doing here and likes the fact that it's both comedically different uh, and funded differently, then do go to Patreon and put in Jeff Norcott and there's uh, a level of tiers of uh, membership there. And as I say, there's a lot of content there for you now. There's two whole tour shows. I mean, that, sorry, the traditionalism one is about 40 minutes, but the Taking Liberties is a full hour show that you can sit and watch however many times, whenever you want. Uh, there's an exclusive full set from Comedy Unleashed on there. There's a Radio 4 special on there. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, Patreon-only podcasts, uh, that, and you get one every month, and you get a chance to contribute to that with questions now. That has now become an established feature. So, you know, I know that people often say, well, you don't have adverts, but you advertise your own shit. But at least at some point, I'm not going to have to explain to fucking... Well, well, one of these... We haven't done one of these for a while. You know, one of these advertisers that pops up and goes, Ding dong! Hi, this is Shitbox. I use Shitbox and I'm Jeff Norcott. All my shit in a box and it gets taken away and stored in the ground in Bangladesh. And we don't really think about the carbon imprint of that. But Shitbox could be the way of not really getting rid of your shit, but getting rid of your shit. Shitbox. If you, if you don't want to ever hear the um, adverts like that on what most people think, then do get involved with the Patreon community. All right, sorry, and I realised I interrupted the chat. We were about to talk about the these the latest band of uh, eco warriors. So let's get back to that. And yes, my voice did go up a bit at the end there. Okay, so you might have seen the video footage this week, uh, largely being shared shared by LBC, which is of a new group called Insulate Britain. And I think that I mean they've really gone for a Ron Seal name here. Yeah, is, listen, I'm just thinking lofts, lofts and like that. What, that is what they want, mate. Oh, that, really? That's what they're all about? That is their thing. That is their <laughs> thing is like the government, you know, like their main priorities, they're, they're an environment. But I guess, I suppose in fairness to them, it's a little bit more practical than Extinction Rebellion, which is like, let's go carbon neutral by last Thursday. You know, yeah, they yeah. have gone. This is, this is a very Middle England type. Well, let's just get everybody insulated as soon as possible. <laughs> and... I mean, it would be the shittest terrorist group ever, wouldn't it? 
Yeah. These are our demands. <laughs> we want you to dispatch a helicopter to 15 Blackwell Crescent yeah. and put... And put yeah, they're, they're going to be like on an easy jet flight and they're going to be like, we want this to be diverted to home base. <laughs> to pick up some loft insulation and we want extra cavities in the wall. I mean, it's good. this is the shittest pressurist activist group ever. Um, so what happened was they were a couple of M25 junctions. They just bowled out with their little high-vis jackets on. I mean, this is, I mean, I you look at the Gilets Jaunes in French, at least they're cool. This lot, fucking, they just went down, had a little sit down, but caused massive delays. And the question I've got, Leo, is like, again, they're the usual mix of middle class types and, and people in late middle age. If that had just been a group of working class males, white and black lads, but clearly wearing hoodies, do you think the police would have been as tolerant? No, absolutely not. And also, um, like, stopping traffic, isn't that just increasing carbon emissions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, engine the car's going to be sitting there with their engines idling, just like pumping out more, more, you know, CO two into the into the atmosphere, which I think is great, by the way. Like, you know, I don't, I, I don't understand this push for, um, you know, stopping climate change. Like, I don't know if you've been to Scotland, but mm. the climate there needs to change, and yeah. if it's going in a warmer direction, that's that can only be a good thing. Uh, yeah, and also the thing is, you're not so threatened by rising sea levels or overpopulation, so you could actually tolerate quite a lot of global warming. Um, oh, absolutely, whole, whole of Scotland's built out of mountains. Like we we saw all this coming. So this, yeah, and then so if you maybe this is a strong argument for independence, you get a hard border there, and then you know when, when Norfolk suddenly becomes like sort of is reclaimed as swampland. And stuff, and we start going up north. It would be like a reverse version of Game of Thrones, where beyond the beyond the wall is actually where the civilized thing is, and it'll be the south that are the wildlings. Um, the, I don't know if there was another, there was another video of um, of the police. So they eventually moved into these these activists to get them out. And there's a in, really interesting video of a, a WPC. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, a female police officer, right? And so she's basically giving them a briefing about the fact that they're about to be arrested. I mean, policing has very much changed. I mean, fucking, I wouldn't mind seeing some headlocks, to be honest. But she was sort of saying, OK, just so you know, we will soon be moving in to disperse you. If you do feel any discomfort or any uh, anything, you know, like limbs might break, then do put your hand up. And it just, it sounded like an airline stewardess at the beginning of a flight so just so you know the exit welcome back to our executive club members uh if you do find police cells a bit claustrophobic do tell one of our staff we'll try to get in the room. What, the, what the fuck has happened to the police leo yeah 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 all this like touchy-feely uh outreach stuff like all the cars being painted in rainbows and stuff i don't know like in, in july Somebody broke into my car. I left it parked on in an industrial estate in Wembley. It was really stupid. Uh, somebody broke in, and also I left my camera gear in there in the back. Like was, you couldn't see it or anything. It was in the you know in the, in the boot. But somebody broke in, just I guess chancing it, and nicked two grand's worth of camera gear. So you know it's two grand camera gear, and then you know six hundred pounds to get the window fixed. Mm. And the police, I phoned the police, you know, thinking at least they maybe do something, and they did. Nothing. They just recorded it as a as a crime, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's okay. you know, I, know, I already know it's a crime. I want you to catch the people who did it, but like to do nothing. And I know, I know for a fact that if I'd said, oh, and by the way, they misgendered me, the police would have been, woo, 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 
you know, with like four four cars on this. <laughs> it is it is really weird. I mean, it does. You know, I suppose with the police, you can only be seen break dancing at a carnival so often on a TikTok video before the population yeah. at large just think that you're not all that. It's not what we want the police to do. We want dance troops on Britain's Got Talent to do that. We want the police to catch criminals. I mean, it, I mean, you, but you look now as well, and obviously. I suppose the police, you know, have gone for a different kind of recruitment drive. And, and young people will be more left-wing, more progressive. So those people are now entering the police force and stuff. So those views, you're going to have probably quite a lot of people that, that just don't want to arrest people or, or certainly don't want to exert force as, as a way of, of, of achieving an, an, yeah. an arrest. But but that is, you know, like that is that weird line, isn't there? We want to live in a liberal, tolerant country, but you you do sort of need to fear the police a little bit. It's like a parent, isn't it? It's like yeah. Old, oh yeah, absolutely. It's like your old man. He's like he's never actually punched you, but you know, the idea that he might is quite crucial. Certainly when you're in your testy <laughs> teenage years. Where do these protesters find the time? Is this? Do you feel like furlough um, as, as increased activism? Like once furlough completely ends, will people? Well, yeah, because because furlough and lockdown, the only excuse you could have for going for a, a walk with your friends in a big group was Black Lives Matter or Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or freedom or anti-lockdown you know, anti marches as well. You know, so there were there were versions on both sides. Yeah, but they, they were people actually get arrested on... Yeah, the, yeah, that is... Yeah, that's a big thing. But yeah, the, the, the police weren't kind of uh, doing oops up with the protesters at the anti-lockdown <laughs> marches. Okay, we're just going to do uh, one letter here. So I, I asked about people doing really weird kind of gender and diversity training and stuff like that. So for obvious reasons, this will be um, anonymous. Um, so this guy says he basically has been in recruitment for a long time, but his new job, which is related to the education sector, um, I had to go through a training session on equality and diversity in recruitment. Uh, nothing he hasn't heard before, but now he's talking about CVs where the names and dates of births are blacked out. So they're replaced with weird names from a random generator, which is supposed to stop bias, but just makes me more confused. And so he gives some real examples of names on his list of CVs today. Uh, Brick Red Wolf uh, was a name on a CV. So this is a made up name to basically stop people being biased by diversity or gender, race, or whatever, right? Um, you don't, you don't see anything. You don't see the the age or gender yeah, or anything of the person, but you also don't see the name because the name can hint at like ethnic backgrounds and stuff. Uh, Deep Sea Peacock. Uh, <laughs> these are real names. Uh, Atlantic Bat. Um, Paradisco Rooster. I mean, these all sound cocktails, like cocktails at this point. Um, avocado Squirrel. Oh, this this sounds like names names we get. I'm sure these are all ecstasy tablets that I took in the 90s. The, 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 the Atlantic bat, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was the one that probably took out a few people, wouldn't it? But then <laughs> it actually rose in price. Just take a, take a half, take a half and see how you Did feel. half an Atlantic bat the other day, Jesus Christ. Um, so what I find interesting, I mean, he he, he just says how, how confusing it is and stuff. And uh, he said, well, anyway, actually, there's an interesting conclusion. Anyway, last round of interviews I did all turned out to be women. So at least I couldn't be accused of bias on purpose. So, but this is the weird thing as well, is that if you do have, you know, institutionalised prejudice in a society, so if it does veer towards straight white males, if you actually take yeah. out, like, gender and stuff, and, and, and it just so happens that those people have been lucky enough to have the breaks in society, it could easily end up that you end up with the most privileged candidates, doesn't it? Because then you can't consciously 
make a choice to be diverse. And then, yeah, and then what, what do you do if, you know, you do end up with, uh, like, an office full of privilege? Yeah. Has the system failed or succeeded? That's what's interesting. You go, you know, well, you know, old Atlantic bat over there, he went to, he went to Eton, and how the fuck was I to know that avocado squirrel uh, went to Oxbridge? I think you should carry on calling them by those names as well. I, I think that, that that should be, and, and they should never, t- they should they should follow through with it, um, that they should never tell you their name or date of birth for the whole time that they work there. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's like working in an office, like the annoying thing about it was like every three days there'd be a birthday and you'd have to put money in a brown envelope and, you know, yeah, I always thought like, let's keep birthdays for home time. Nobody cares. You're like, you're 47. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, like, you're not eight. Why don't we all wear burkas in the workplace? I mean, let's let's carry through with this anonymity. Because you think that once someone sees that you're a straight white male, obviously you're going to get all that natural privilege, which we get every single day of our lives. Yeah. Let's just keep it going. Okay, that is pretty much the end of uh, this week's podcast. We, we, we didn't hype anything earlier. Um, Leo, have you got anything that people should be going to? I know you got, you're active on YouTube and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, so my YouTube is, is doing quite well. I need to do more videos. It's just hard. Uh, like some, I think the whole thing about being a comedian, if I could do a proper job, I'd probably do a proper job, but I can't because I'm lazy and disorganized. Yeah. So being a comedian is great because you've got, you know, the gig is, a, is the deadline. Yeah. So you've got to get to the gig, do the gig, and that's, that's it. Whereas, like, with videos... I can always film it tomorrow, so I end up like not doing it. <laughs> and you are you're doing. I mean, you've already got one sport date in with me. Which venue is that that you're going to be? I, I don't think I do. Oh, this. I don't think I've got this one. Is in. Awkward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, then send the email then because I absolutely want you know because it's always a pleasure to have you uh, at the tour shows. Um, the in terms of my tour, I'm in Bedford this Saturday. There are still tickets available, and then I've got a run of gigs next week, uh, including Monmouth. I think some of them are sold out. Um, but yeah, we're going to be announcing spring tour dates in 2022 um, as well. And, and in terms of like club gigs, Leo and stuff, where where can people see you if they want to see you live coming up? Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm all over. I'm all over the place. Like uh, gig all over but i'm doing a i'm doing a solo show um it's my edinburgh show called cancel culture mm-hmm. uh it's a it's about me getting cancelled for for being racist well i was called racist and uh, i was also called transphobic so those those two instances um so i got cancelled from the perth fringe in australia and i was also i was called uh, racist by um which i think it's, it's unfair like I, you know i genuinely try not to be racist you know i, I don't think 2021 is is the year for overt racism if uh I mean, it's a um, massive shout, yeah. isn't it, in 2021, to be racist. I, yeah, mean, you've yeah. got to, I mean, even the racists don't admit that they're racist. That's what I've always, that's always always thought funny. You know, when people get accused of racism, people always kind of go, me, I'm the least racist person in the world. I just think, just once it'd be nice if someone go, uh, yeah, I am, oh, fucking hate everyone, me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Brett, there's a, there's a comedian, Brett Sharp, who had a, who had a brilliant bit about, uh, you know, how people say, um, I'm not a racist, but mm. uh, and his dad would say, I am a racist and, <laughs> and you know, just adds that extra weight to what he's saying. But yes, yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing my show. Yeah. I'm doing my show Cancel Culture at Top Secret Comedy on October the 7th at 6.30. So there's if you if you if you go to my social media, if you go to um like inst- Instagram's an easy one to find because um uh, my Instagram handle is just Scottish Comedian 
all one word. I couldn't believe it was available, man. Scottish. That just shows how few, few working <laughs> yeah. comics there are in Scotland that that was available, yeah. like some way into the the Instagram thing. Um, I would I recommend yeah. anybody to go and spend an hour in your comedic uh, company. So do go to that solo show, and you know, hopefully we'll uh, be seeing each other on tour. And uh, thanks very much for coming back once again to what most people think, Leo Curse. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Okay.